0: Hello, wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. Uh, This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful. For you to be able to join and share with us again. This week we're following the theme the church in an unchristian world. And the big question for today why does the church have so many hypocrites? Today our co-host is Eric Hoare. Eric's the recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. Welcome to you, Eric.
1: Yes, good to be back, Gary. Great to be here. It's
0: wonderful to actually have you you with us and uh, a long weekend is coming up. What are you planning to do over the long weekend?
1: Well, you know, Gary. Uh, since uh, I've sort of uh, become a senior and semi-retired, you know, I used to really look forward to those long weekends coming around from work. But now, when I'm just a couple of days a week working, it's kind of not so exciting anymore. But usually, what we like to do, my wife and I like to go to markets in the weekend. Yeah, I like love to go that. To love that. Fruit and veggie markets, but also tinkering around and just looking for the odd things. That's yeah. good. But uh, this weekend, well, you know, my son's um, moved out to Two Wells, and he's putting in a big lawn down the back, and he's got a big. Pile of dirt out the front. We've been shifting, so we'll get a big roller out, and I'll be I'll be helping them prepare some of that. I think on the Sunday, but uh, yeah, I'll spend a bit of time with Aaron, and we'll we'll head off to some places. I think. Oh,
0: fantastic! Yeah, I was down this last weekend. I was down at uh, at Victor Harbour actually, as we had a, a church retreat just for the day down at Victor Harbour. It was, it's a lovely place uh, down uh, down in mm. down in Victor Harbour, and down there they had a markets on on Sunday. I love wandering around markets. I go to the The markets here uh, in Adelaide virtually every, well, every weekend and uh, Mm. I really find that it's incredibly relaxing. Tell me, where do you like to retreat to when you have a retreat? Mm. Where do you like to retreat to here in Adelaide?
1: Well, I kind of like to go up in the Barossa. Love it up there. I love to go to Tanunda and some of the German towns up there. But also, you know, as a church, often we like to go into the forests up there, you know, beautiful up there, and uh, spend some time there. Uh, did you see any whales when you were down there? I was going to ask you, Gary, did you see no whales? No,
0: there? no, I didn't this uh, this time, but I know that they've just been cruising through there.
1: Yeah, there's been a lot of them around. Now, no, I, I enjoy, you know, uh, getting out bush. Um, I, have you been to the gardens lately? I mean, the gardens is a wonderful spot. Yeah, uh, yeah, much, yeah. And even going to the museum and the art gallery and all around that area, um, things are changing around the city, and it, it's good to get to some of those places, Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it's they're just just a little crowded at the present time. All socially distanced, of course, but yes. uh, you know there are lots of uh, people uh, there at the at the present time. Now, of course, Eric, this week we're uh, discussing the church in an uncertain world, mm. and today we're dealing with this church uh, this issue of hypocrites in the church. Now, you know, this to me is a really uh, a really significant issue. Just the, um, some time ago, actually, I. I came up with a um, uh, with a survey that uh, the McCrindle organization, together with Olive Tree Media, had actually put together, and they asked a really significant and important question, and one that really jumped out at me. Their question was uh, particularly directed at non Christians who admitted they were open to considering change and to consider. Christianity. So these were, these were people that they did by, uh, they encountered by personal interview. And the question that they were putting to them was, Hey, you know, are you a Christian? No, no. Would you consider? Yes, it's something I would actually consider doing. But what is the, are there any behavior blockers that would stop you from considering Christianity? And the answers that came up uh, to me I felt were very, very significant. Uh, the coming in at number five was issues around money. You know, to, to me, I'm so conscious that that is, a, is an issue that has impacted the church negatively on many occasions. Coming in at number four was this issue of judging others. Uh, Christian people can sometimes be perceived as being incredibly judgmental. At least that was the view of these non-Christians who were favourably disposed towards Christianity. Uh, coming in at number three uh, was the issue of religious wars. You know, Christians, and uh, non-Christians, Christians and, you know, international even uh, religious wars are uh, taking place. But coming in at number two to me is the one that really jumped out at me. And this one, over half of the individuals said Hypocrisy in the church is a significant behavioral blockage to me becoming a a, a Christian. And then coming in at number one was this issue of um, abuse in the church, physical and sexual abuse, uh, by church members in the, uh, in the church. Now, of course, we're going to be dealing with this issue of hypocrisy today, and tomorrow we're going to open it out even more, and we're going to look at this issue of church abuse, because, and particularly sexual abuse, because we have to look at, uh, this particular issue. This is a blocker. This is something that has stopped people from considering Christianity, and we want to look at, okay, where is the church today? On this, uh, on this particular matter And tomorrow we're actually going to have Pastor Joseph Matichik, uh with us And he's the Secretary of the Church here in South Australia And we're going to be putting We're going to be discussing that particular question tomorrow But Eric, tell me On this whole issue of hypocrisy You know, um, have you in, in your experience You know, you've been around churches for, for many, many years You know, have you seen many examples Of hypocrisy in the church?
1: Yes, I have. In fact, I've got to be honest, uh, Gary, that I think we, we can all be hypocrites, can't we, in our actions and what we mm-hmm. do? You know, we're all sinners, aren't we? Yeah. But can I just say with those five here, um, the people I talk to and study with, um, these are the very things that they that they talk about sometimes. Um, and it is hard to understand how um, in a place of safety – uh, like a church, how sexual abuse could actually happen. Yeah, yeah. Um. Also, you know, religious wars, you, uh, that's come to me many times over the years, yeah. you know, the yeah. fighting, particularly, you know, the killings overseas and stuff between uh, Protestants and Catholics and whatever, you know. Yeah. It, it, that's been uh, ongoing for many, years. So many you believe
0: years. that this, this particular list is relatively accurate?
1: I, I would say so, yeah. I've, okay. I, 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 a lot of these things, judging others, of course. Um, I mean, hypocrisy is, um, you know, um, supposed to be walking this way when they see the actions and, and thing. In fact, I was just reading a survey that was done um, <clears throat> some years ago in America, several years ago, and it showed that um, – they did it between the lifestyle of Christians and the lifestyle of non-Christians, and they were asked uh, the following list: like gambling, uh, visiting pornographic sites, um, mm. taking something that didn't belong to them, saying mean things behind mm. someone's back. There wasn't much difference. Okay. When it came back, that there, you couldn't really tell much difference. In fact, the and and in this um, article, it said that. They weren't joking, but the only thing that the Christians uh, had a big difference with a non-Christian was recycling. The Christians didn't recycle as much as the non-Christians. Didn't (laughs)
0: didn't recycle as much. No, they weren't too good at
1: that. But so they sort of. But uh, you know, they said all these things, drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was in the world, and so there was very little difference between the Christian and the non-Christian coming as back. As far
0: as behavioural lifestyles yep. were concerned, yep, and
1: nobody's names was put yes, to this, yeah, so yeah, they yeah. could freely give that. So, yeah, I. I I see these things as people looking on into the church and the church of the people. They would look in and see these things and say, well, you know, that's just not for me. Eric,
0: you function in a church pastoral capacity. Hmm. Have you, I mean, do you have any any life experience where you've actually seen, you know, obviously we don't want names and locations and all the rest, but have you seen the, the practical outworking of hypocrisy in the lives of individuals and in the life of the church?
1: well i yes um <clears throat> you know i as I look back um, many years ago when i was um studying to be a Christian, the person that was studying with me was a treasurer in a church. And uh, had several hats that he wore, like, for instance, you know, he, he was the uh, sort of the uh, outreach leader as well, many things. And uh, we found out uh, – it was a real shock to me because when you study with someone, you kind of put them on a bit of a pedestal.
0: You're studying the scriptures with them, yeah. Yes,
1: and bringing me to know God. And eventually it happened that um, – uh, it came to light that he embezzled over $100,000 um, from various people in his uh, work capacity and also some in the church who had trusted him. And, um, and so he was sent to prison, and these people, some of them actually lost their houses.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, he was somebody I looked up to and uh, studying the scriptures with, and it was a real shock to me uh, to sort of see that happening.
0: Um,
1: And so he was, even though we were going through the scriptures, he was saying that, but he was actually doing things in the background. This is a thing
0: called affinity fraud, actually, because, Mm. you know, you actually find that uh, people who are part of a club or an organization find it very easy uh, to actually, uh, they're believed by their friends, Mm. their workmates, they're believed by the other church members. And, you know, frequently, you know, there have been examples of where they've actually asked for a certain amount you know for funds mm. and uh, and funds have been shared with them only to discover that the funds never actually came back again. Yes. Uh, and this is certainly hypocrisy.
1: Yeah, that's right. And all these things here that we're looking up here that you've read out, these five things are actually things of trust. Yeah, uh, where we're in a Christian world and we're under the uh, the leader of, of Christ. And uh, we, you know, we've been going over the past months and weeks talking about the fruits of the spirit and and and, uh, and the other side of it. And yet these uh, things here that people look on see uh, see. See Christians as as something that they they don't want to belong to because they they see things happening that happen in the world.
0: Yeah, and of course basically. this is something that you don't expect to see within a faith community, isn't it? It's uh, mm. uh, this is something that it, when we sort of see within the the government organisations some form of uh, hypocrisy. Well, you know, and you hear that you know an expense account has been you know drawn you know. Uh, more than adequately drawn down by a a government minister, you sort of say, oh, well, I mean, that's, you know, both sides of politics have have done this and there's no excuse for it. And, yes, it is hypocrisy. uh, But you sort of don't expect it. Within a church environment, do you?
1: No, you don't, and that's that's the whole thing. Where I can I can, you know, just see what happens, and and sometimes just said on the news or some Christian thing that happens, which lets down the team. You know, you can understand how people would look on and say, "Well, why would I want to be a Christian?" Yeah, you know. Yeah.
0: And you know, Eric, the thing that really jumps out at me about this survey, though, is that people are actually saying that they're likely. Uh, to to, to, to not follow Christianity if they're going to be blocked from uh, coming to accept Christianity it's because of one of these negative factors it's because of this issue of church abuse of hypocrisy of religious warfare judging Mm. others issues around money these are very practical down to earth issues
1: Mm. that's right and you know uh, People are trying to live their lives the best they can, and what happens when they have decisions to make um, would you would you go into an organization that you know, that are showing trends of some of these things. You wouldn't, would you? You'd you'd want to protect your family from these issues. But the whole thing is when you study the scriptures and you change, um, you don't expect to see uh some of these things rearing its head up within an organization especially at the top level. Yeah. And that's where it hurts the most because it becomes headline news because it's a great responsibility being a Christian. Because then you are you're a follower of Jesus who was perfect, you know?
0: Eric, mm. let's come to some music because yep. I want to come back and dig into the scriptures on these mm. these matters in just a, just a moment. Sure. This is Michael W. Smith, "Ancient Words." Mm.
2: go in this world
3: Trust the Bible? How could a loving God create a devil? How can a man called Jesus save me? And from what?
2: Faith FM's free offer today is the Hidden Truth Magazine, exploring your hard questions about faith
3: and Christianity. To get your free Hidden Truth Magazine, go to faithfm.com.au forward slash offers or call us on 1 800 Faith FM. That's 1 800
0: 324 843. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Eric Hoare. Eric's the recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. And this week we're following the theme, the church in an unchristian world. And the big question for today, why does the church have hypocrites? Eric, what does the Bible have to say on this whole subject you know it's a term that we're used to having branded around a lot you know hardly a day goes by without you hearing something about hypocrisy in the uh, in the media um, but we don't expect it in you know, a church environment you know what is hypocrisy and are there hypocrites in the church?
1: Well, hypocrisy, Gary, you know, is nothing new. I mean, way back in Jesus' day, in fact, Jesus uh, used the word hypocrisy or variations about 17 times in the Bible.
0: Yeah, that's this, this is actually quite remarkable, isn't it? When you realize that this was actually one of those themes uh, that, um, uh, that certainly Christ seemed to return to on a number of occasions. Mm, that's
1: right. And, you know, often it was the religious people of the day he was... Mainly talking about as well I mean there was a verse given in Matthew uh, verse uh, chapter 23 verses 25 to 27 he said, "Woe to you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites for you clean the outside of the cup." And the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence, for you are like whitewashed tombs. This, is, this isn't real
0: complimentary, is it?
1: No, it's not. It says, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So on the outside, they're putting up quite a show, being godly-like, following you know their way, but really inside they were like dead people.
0: You know, Eric, uh, um, Matthew 23 is one that really does jump out at me on mm. this particular subject because mm. Christ actually uses this uh, this word hypocrite, one, two, about uh, seven or eight times. You've mentioned it as about a dozen times. Seven or eight of those times, Christ is actually speaking to the religious leaders mm. of his day and he's calling them, and I mean, to call somebody a whitewashed tomb is hardly a, you know, a, a gentle Jesus, meek and mild, that's so often. Often we, we we think of uh, of Jesus
1: mm, that's right so what was wrong with them Gary what was wrong with the Pharisees what
0: it's a, it's a really good question actually because you know here we actually have in uh, in Matthew 24 uh, you know uh, 23 rather mm-hmm. um, woe do you scribes Pharisees verse 15 woe do you scribes Pharisees hypocrites for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte or one convert and when he is one you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourself in other words, you're actually not doing any good, even for those people that you're, you're working for the conversion of. That's and then right. he he jumps, you know, woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cummin. in other words, the very littlest things, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Mm. You know, Christ isn't negating the law, but he says, hey, you've done the, the little things, but the big things that you should be doing, you've totally overlooked them. Mm. Yeah, And Christ calls them uh, hypocrites. Hmm. Um, I
1: I like my uh, version, Gary. It says um, here, it says, "'Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel land and sea to win one convert, and when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind,' for which is greater, the gold or the temple that sacrifices the gold? Yeah,
0: yeah. These are really hard, hard things that Christ yep. is saying, isn't he? I mean, he's, he's, he's talking to the religious leaders of his day. I mean, he's talking, if the, you like here, the scribes and the Pharisees were the what we might call the bishops mm. uh, of, of his day. Uh, these are the, uh, the upper echelon of religion These aren't just the church members These are the, the people who are preaching from the word mm. every
1: Sabbath That's right These are the ones that the common people looked up to yeah. And sought answers from And these were the the ones who were supposed to be the guiding light in In um, a Christian world, yet these are the ones who led them astray and never recognized the Savior and criticized him so often for what he did Mm. when they missed it. They missed the attribute. So the question was, were they… You know, in their hearts, were they really converted? Did they un- did they not understand and leave behind the old ways? Or did it become, maybe at first, or did it become so that the gold took over, the, the rewards of this world, the system they had? Was that more than what the common people, leading the common people to Christ? And this was a big responsibility. What though. I think Christ
0: is actually doing here is drawing a, a clear distinction between true religion and fake religion. Because, you know, the thing that I'm so conscious of, we're living in a world today where there is so much fake religion Mm. that's actually going on. You know, religiosity is very, is popular in many fronts. And yet to me, here, what Christ is doing is drawing a very clear distinction. He's saying, hey, there is the real, Mm. but then there's, there's, there's something else that is so, so false and fake that it's actually hypocrisy.
1: Yes, he criticised them later because he says, Look, you pay tithe, yeah. you seem to be doing the right things yeah. and yet inside you're not. So what it's saying here is that as Christians we can seem to be we can go through the rituals to be doing the right things, but if our heart we don't have that relationship with Christ, we don't accept Christ as our Saviour, we're just doing these things to be saved. And that's that's what he was having a go at them about now, that they were they were like dead people inside. They did not have their their love of Christ. Christ, they still held on to their carnal nature. So in other words,
0: what you're saying is that it's possible to go through the rituals of Christianity. And, you know, when I think of the rituals of Christianity, you know, I mean, things like, for example, can going to church even Mm. every week, can that become a ritual, do you think?
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think, uh, you know, the thing is to have the love of Christ, the um, the first love of Christ that you felt, to keep that alive. Yeah, because what I think happens is over time, and 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 sometimes you know myself, I find you know that sometimes I just don't feel like being at church, maybe one day or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you go through the rituals, then why would you be there? You know, other things seem more exciting. So yeah, it can definitely be that way, and and other things as well, you know, uh, in the practices of the Christian world. He's saying, don't make it a tradition, but actually have the love of Christ in your heart, and that's mm-hmm. what it's talking about here. Um, because it's say, you know, if you clean the outside out, uh, outside you can look good, be doing the right things, but inside you know, you like dead bones. He's saying yeah, very strong yeah, words, yeah, yeah. and these are to the elite. These are the learned men of their time, yeah. the ones that were supposed to know it all. I mean, it must have been a big shock. They would have hated this. Yeah,
0: they and you know, know and, and yet these these men, Christ called them hypocrites, and yet they're largely doing what you would expect religious people. To actually do, they're mm. going along. They're probably helping the poor. They're going to to, to worship services. Mm. Uh, they're you know they're beca- they're doing what to the outside observer you would expect them to be doing, and yet Christ turns around and says, hey, no, there's something, there's actually something lacking, it's actually lacking within your heart. You know, the Mm. thing that jumps out at me Mm. is that in uh, John chapter 3, we actually get the story of uh, Jesus and Nicodemus, Mm. and Jesus actually looks at Nicodemus, and of course Nicodemus is one of the, uh, this guy isn't just a bishop, he's one of the, uh, he's one of the the archbishops mm. of the church he's at the very top mm. and yet jesus looks at him and says you must be born again now mm. to say to the resident archbishop you must be born again to me is really out there and yet christ recognized that in his heart there was something more that nicodemus needed he actually needed to be changed mm by the holy spirit and of course that's the story that uh Christ uh uses in speaking to uh to Nicodemus he talks about the holy spirit going like a like a calm gentle breeze it moves where it wishes mm. it touches people and it changes hearts and mm. to me as i as i read that story i sort of say hey maybe Nicodemus uh, was hearing Something that he needed to hear because Christ is saying to the religious person you must be born. And I just wonder, is it possible that within the religious world today we have many people who are in fact not born again?
2: Hmm.
1: Well, you know, very important that story of Nicodemus because he did listen. The words cut him, you know. And he was hearing the truth. He was hearing the gospel as the gospel should be presented. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the Pharisees took the gospel and twisted it into laws and conditions. They didn't want to hear Jesus' words. Yeah. The, you yeah. know, in fact, they were the hypocrites that. Actually crucified Jesus at yeah. the end, of time. and they had a mock trial that should never ever have, have gone through. Yeah. So they took what uh, what was truth and didn't listen to it, and and made their own truth, and that just led that into into hypocrisy. And we can do that in our own lives. You know, I know of times where I've seen it where somebody will take something from scripture and twist it around to justify an action that can be done. You know,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I actually remember on one particular occasion a, a person is. A number of years ago yeah. uh, Said to me oh, look, Pastor um, he, he was actually moving out On his wife He was moving in With somebody else hmm. And uh, uh, he, he actually said to me He said Pastor Yeah look I, I, I know what the, what the Scriptures say About what I'm doing But He said The Holy Spirit Has told me uh, That this is okay now, to me, as I read this, I sort of think, "Hey, hang on a moment. Hmm. Here we've got got a guy who has chosen to uh, to, to move out hmm. of you know of his relationship to abandon his wife, hmm. uh, and he was a he was certainly a well-respected person within the within the church. He told me he knew that what he was doing, according to the scriptures, was actually problematical, but hmm. that his ex- And it was, I felt an excuse. His excuse was, the Holy Spirit told me it was okay. Uh, And of course, you know, within the scriptures, the thing that I've, that I've learned is that uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't seem to, doesn't appear, work against the dictates of the scriptures
1: that's right i mean what you're describing is exactly what happened in corinthians corinthians had a lot of problems
0: you know look tell us about corinthians because Mm. the 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 book of corinthians i think is really significant to us today because you know if ever there are people that i mean we've been talking in in matthew 23 we've got Mm. okay pharisees who if you like uh, christ calls them as hypocrites because Mm. but the trouble is nobody can see their issues that they're doing as being hypocritical because they're going through all the right forms mm. we go into the book of um, uh, first Corinthians yeah. and of course in this book uh, Paul is actually dealing with a problem church Tell us mm. about the about about this uh, uh, this church
1: yeah this church here um, was a mixed background in the Church of uh, Corinth you know and there was a lot of conflict in it many conflicts. Um, If we look at 1 Corinthians, for instance, chapter 5, and uh, here it talks about what you're talking about, it says here, uh, verse 1, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you uh, and uh, such sexual immorality as is not even named Amongst the Gentiles. In other words, it's worse than what the Gentiles were doing. Okay. It's okay. saying here that a man has his father's wife. So here it's given an example of, of something that's going on, but it goes further than that. It says, and you, you talking about the uh, the church, the people, and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. So here it's saying that, you know, they weren't even upset by what was happening. Mm. Um, where, you know, Christ wants us to make a stand in these matters. I mean, how how could it be that a church would see this happen and not recognize that this was wrong?
0: Yeah, that's that's really significant what you're saying there because what we've got is in Corinth, we've got a mm. church where, that has got numerous problems. It's got mm. this issue of sexual immorality. What else mm. has it got? Any other issues there? Oh,
1: there's a stack of them, I mean there was one there where um in chapter six where it talked about um suing that you know brethren were actually uh he says you shouldn't sue each other so he's actually
0: they're actually taking each other to the law mm. courts yep. for th- for wrongs that have been done to each other
1: that's so, right it says in, in six one it says, dare any of you have a matter against another go to law because before the unrighteous and not before the saints, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? So it talks about not taking um, when. But brother goes to law against a brother, and that before unbelievers. So it's saying that you're actually taking a brother to court. When, uh, in front of unbelievers, it's say, yeah, Paul, saying. Paul's
0: saying this doesn't make sense, guys. No. You know, no. you've got sexual immorality in your mm. church. You've got church members that are suing each other. Mm. Um, what else is going on in this church? Well, the
1: big one uh, I think here is, is still in Chapter 6 Um and it talks in here about, um, in verse, uh, uh, it talks here about uh, verse 9. It says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not but see, be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idlers, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor com- covetous, nor drunkards, nor revealers, nor extortionists will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Hmm. So that is a huge list.
0: Okay, yeah. that's some of the things which they were they were up to before they became Christians. But you mm. know the thing that stands out to me yep. is that now within the church you've got issues even within the church of sexual immorality. You've got believers yep. uh, going to law against each other. You've got other issues there. I'm I'm conscious of a disunity. Of uh, you've got this um, a spirit of dissension. There are divisions in the, in the church, and Paul talks about divisions. Uh, all these issues are just starting to accumulate and uh, in fact, one of the problems that he deals with in this church is actually the problem of tongues. Many people mm-hmm. don't actually realize yeah. that what Paul is dealing with in mm-hmm. uh, the book of First Corinthians uh, in this letter to the Corinthians are problems that occurred, in the church Mm. and he lists them he goes through them uh, one by one and Mm. one of those problems that he's facing in the church Mm. is the problem of tongues Mm. now uh, do you know to me i i look at this and i say hey we've got a church here that has got sexual immorality a man has his father's wife Mm. now that is now it's probably not his mother but it's still something that was uh, to- regarded uh, as scripturally as being thoroughly immoral mm-hmm. within any culture, and the church had chosen to not say anything about it. Now, is the biggest fault, do you think, here, with the, the man who is engaged in sexual immorality with his um, father's wife, or do you think it might be more with the church for not responding to those things.
1: Yes, they should have, they should have been a completely. That's what uh, Paul was shocked about. He said, you know, you should have made a stand. Why are you all puffed up? Why are, you, why are you accepting this? Why are you full of pride? Why are you allowing this to happen? You know, they should have been there uh, to step in and to say this was not right because what happens if you don't do that here then sin abounds and you find that other people, I mean, it even talked in here about drunkenness which affects yeah, your mind. Yeah, yeah. There's about, uh, about eight or nine things in here, all in these few passages here that were they were really caught up. So this is a bit like Sodom and Gomorrah in, in, in many ways. It was yeah. that bad uh, that they're actually doing worse than the Gentiles, he says. Yeah, so yeah. The, as that survey said, no difference between the believer and the non-believer. How That's important amazing.
0: it really is in this case where the church itself had chosen to say and do nothing – as a result of this particular issue that they are aware of uh, occurring within their church, and you now eric i 'm really conscious that um, the biggest challenge with uh, hypocrisy um, often is not the the sin of the individual, mm. but rather it 's the sin of the church who actually chooses to do nothing about the issues which they are confronting. And I suggest many of the challenges that the church is facing today, Mm. we are actually facing them because we have chosen to say nothing Mm. when I think Scripture actually uh, uh, enjoins us to say we should be saying something about these things. I truly believe, Gary,
1: that back in Corinth, there would have been some that would have seen this as definitely wrong.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: They're not spoken of here so the majority it seems to me as though many times people can see it happening but what happens often and and we you read out statistics early is that a church will sweep it under the carpet which is worse when it's found that if there's an inquiry that the church will actually do its own inquiry and not take it outside of the church so that it's looked like it's swept under the carpet and therefore you're called hypocrites and, but back then, I believe there would have been a lot that would have been against this yeah. we not but they were they were obviously overridden by the passions I'm caught up in it and all. and in second
0: Corinthians of course, what we find is that the mm. church did in fact deal with these things but you know mm. the thing yes. that i've discovered from my time in ministry is that um, if in fact a, a person is a sinner a hypocrite if you like within the church mm. and the church deals with it um, then even those who are non Non Believers seem to be able to understand that these sorts of things happen, mm. but do you know it 's when the church accepts uh, immorality mm. when it accepts um, theft mm. when it accept you know when these when it accepts child abuse even mm. it 's at that point that huge uh, there's a huge case of hypocrisy against the church and to me i'd suggest that hypocrisy against the church you know that the church playing the hypocrite is far worse than the individual than the individual actually playing, um, doing the wrong thing. Does does that make sense?
1: Yeah, and and often the church can do it in the right way out of love to help somebody. And that's the thing, you know, because a church can be criticized for taking an action of something that's against the word of God, and yet they are so criticized by by, uh, people within the church because they don't know. You can't put all that out there. Yeah, there are decisions made, and and you've got to make a stand on the Word of God. You know, yeah, yeah, with yeah. compassion.
0: In other with words, compassion. we are we are called as churches hmm. to actually sometimes take some really hard decisions. Whereby, yeah, if you like, discipline hmm. is important within the church, and this is the thing that I suggest that possibly the church today has been very reticent to actually be involved in there is a time and a place when when my children were growing up there were times when you'd take them aside and you'd say hey that's not the way to do things mm. you know, it's it's really important mm. to be able to uh, to to counsel not just to counsel but sometimes to exercise genuine discipline i know on, on two or three occasions in in my ministry we've uh, we've had to call a person and say look we're actually formally putting you under church censure Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, you know you 're happy you 're you're welcome to come along to church, but we want it to be formally known by everybody in this church and by everybody else who happens to hear about this thing that in fact we are going to you know we, we disapprove totally of what you have, you have done. You have brought reproach on the name of the church mm-hmm. there have been a number of occasions where we 've actually been called uh, to, to actually remove a person 's name uh, from the church role. Because we've had to say to them, "Look, uh, this form of behaviour is unacceptable within this particular environment." And you know, Eric, I, I think it's important in this issue of hypocrisy that the church itself is prepared to deal uh, with with significant issues. You know, one of the what we're going to deal with this tomorrow because we're going to be looking at the uh, uh, the issue of child and sexual abuse in the church. And I've got Pastor uh, uh, Pastor Joseph Mattercheck is going to be coming, and he's going to be sharing with us on that particular subject. Uh, but you know, it's so important that uh, I know for, for many years, one of the, the standard practices of, of many churches was simply to uh, to move on a perpetrator to a to a different location. Mm-hmm. And you think, you know, in retrospect, you know, you you look at that and you say, "Hey, uh, what a what a terrible, what a terrible way of resolving." a major issue in the church how important it is that the church does actually deal with and act uh, appropriately uh, in dealing with these particular issues mm-hmm. and uh, You've seen the same thing,
1: yeah. And and what Paul is saying here is that he was shocked at the behaviour. It was like walking into an unbelievers den, you know. And uh, and so he was talking about these things and and pointing them out to the people there, yeah. you know. I mean, he would have been uh, mortified by what they were doing and and not understanding why yeah. this had happened, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Eric, look, let's come to some music. This is the Lesser Light Collection, uh, the King's Dreams. This is a this is a really beautiful. Uh, A song that tells a fantastic story.
4: In the ancient land Chaldea In the mind of a troubled king Came a dream of power
3: and meaning Yet the dreamer forgot everything But another who dreams of our future Will never forget what he sees So let's believe this dreamer, please The it
4: was Nebuchadnezzar Who called his magicians in But they couldn't see much there And they trembled
3: with fear and chagrin Oh children remember the spirit Who knows every dream we've dreamed Who tells us we are highly esteemed
4: The king he sees the future, our deliverance
3: at last. The King dreams when every dreamer fails. The King of dreams holds us fast. is His faith.
2: us to believe. In our brokenness,
4: he sees us as what we
2: at last will
4: He said only the gods can interpret, that's when the king lost his mind.
3: And the king of our kings saw the drama and heard the cruel death decree, and he knows how to save you and me.
4: When Daniel heard of the sentence, to the God of heaven he bled, then his God revealed the King And
3: the king of the cosmos painted a dream in the hours of night and. Shed- Trust the Bible? How could a loving God create a devil? How can a man called Jesus save me? And from what?
2: Faith FM's free offer today is the Hidden Truth Magazine, exploring your hard questions about faith and Christianity.
3: To get your free Hidden Truth Magazine, go to faithfm.com.au forward slash offers
0: or call us on 1 800 Faith FM. That's 1 800 324 843. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Eric Hoare. And Eric's the recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. And this week we're following the theme, the church in an unchristian world. And the big question for today, why does the church have so many hypocrites? Eric, our time's starting to get away from us. Bring this together for us. What do the scriptures say about you know? How do we deal with this issue of people playing the hypocrite? Because it seems from what we see in you know Christ speaking to the religious leaders that they're certainly hypocrites, but will never acknowledge the fact uh, in in uh, in corinth uh, you 've got hypocrites there who won 't acknowledge the fact, and yet the church recognizes the reality of uh, uh, of their hypocrisy I mean how, this is a huge area. How should the church be dealing with it
1: well it, it, the whole point of it isn 't it that it 's due to sin that causes this uh, this um, unsettledness and these these actions the the hypocrisy. And the fact that we're all sinners. Um,
0: are you saying that people in the church are still sinners?
1: Yes, I am. Okay. Yep. Because, you know, it, I like to put it this way. The church is not made up of perfect people. Okay. It is composed of, being, uh, it is composed of people to be made righteous by the blood of Christ. The difference between people in the church and people outside the church is not that those in the church are saints and those outside the church are sinners. We're all sinners. mm It is simply that those inside the church uh, are sinners saved by grace, while those outside the church are unsaved sinners. Mm. So there we have the changing power within the the church when we follow the scriptures of the Holy Spirit. There used
0: to be a phrase actually Mm. around that used to say that the church is a hospital for sinners, not a haven for saints. Do you think that's got some truth to it?
1: For sure, and I think sometimes we can lose sight of that very thing. That we, I mean, uh, you know, the, the fruits of the Spirit is, is the, you know, what we talk about, the changed life, the joy and, and the things that come about by that. Mm. But the thing is that we still struggle with sin. We're all still sinners, and, and Jesus gave us life for that. And if somebody falls amongst us, I truly believe that the identifying mark of a true Christian is the way that we deal with others uh, will show how much... God has helped us in our journey for he says if you love one another you are truly my disciples now nobody is watching you in the church to see how much you love one another Mm. it's when you're out in the world that they see how much you actually love people by the way you treat them so here it's not uh, uh, an exclusive club that the pharisees thought they had the pharisees thought they had a uh, a club there that and they were in that club and they were all they were also in the kingdom by birthright because they were a jew Mm. and so when the gentiles came along Poor Peter and Paul, they had trouble because they were trying to reach the Gentiles and they were not accepted. But it tells us, doesn't it, in Galatians 6 where it says if somebody is uh, – it says here in in chapter 6 of Galatians, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any in any sin, you who are spiritual restore such one in a spirit of gentleness – considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Mm -hmm. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. So what he's saying here is, is allow Christ to change your life inside out so that what we're showing outside is what we feel inside.
0: Yeah, I, I I really like what you're saying there. In fact, one of the one of the things that Christ, you know, really challenges us on, I believe, is in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter, chapter 7 and Christ of course is talking about um, uh, this issue of judging and he starts mm. off by saying judge not that you be not judged for with what judgment you judge you're going to be judged and the severity of the judgment that you use on someone else is going to be judged also against you mm. and with the measure you use it it will be measured back to you and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye but you don't consider the plank in your own eye Now, you know, as I look at this, I sort of say, hey, you know, crisis teaching is something very valuable here. How can you say to your brother, "Uh, let me remove the speck from your eye, but look, a blank is sitting in your own eye, mm. hypocrite. And here's this word again, hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Mm. You know, to me, as Christ is saying this, I'm sort of saying, hey, how relevant is that for our our discussion today? You know, we're not trying trying here to uh, d- downplay this issue of hypocrisy. Mm. Uh, but you know, the thing I am so conscious of is that within the church, uh, what uh, Christ did was he spoke to the Pharisees and called. Uh, Called certainly religious leaders hypocrites because they didn't recognise the form, the the formal religion that they were living yeah. was in fact um, a a form of hypocrisy. Mm. But we also find in um, in uh, Corinthians that that Paul actually challenges the church and says, "Hey, where there is open and blatant sin, mm. the church has actually erred." If it does not act on the open and the blatant sin, and I suggest to you today some of the um, uh, so, some of the issues that are very obvious, where the church should have acted mm-hmm. and it hasn't, has left the church open for hypocrisy claims today, and rightly so. Yes. And the church can only exercise its uh, uh, only apologise for, for for what it has actually done. Then, mm-hmm. but then Christ. In talking to his disciples, says, hey, I want you to be very careful, though, hmm. about judging because the reality is it's very easy for someone who's got a speck uh, in their eye to judge uh, to, uh, someone who has a log in their eye to judge somebody else who's actually got only a speck in their eye. In other words, what hmm. Christ is saying here is, guys, you are all sinners. Mm. You know, I I think Mm. this is actually so important that we understand this.
1: Mm. And the thing is, as sinners, you know, when we help somebody who has fallen and and lift them back up, you know, a kind word here or, or a gracious act there. I believe that the plank in our own eye of judging others and looking at others is actually diminishing as we help others. For the more we help others, the more I think the Holy Spirit builds us up. And the way of helping others sometimes is tough love. Mm. To say, Look, what you're doing is walking the wrong path and but doing it in loving kindness but but you know, acting like that, people have done that for me and set me on the on my course, right? Yeah. And I appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Some of the hardest meetings I've ever had is when I've had to approach, and I have done it, when I've actually had to approach individual and said, "Hey, my yeah. friend, um, what you're doing is uh, is wrong," yeah. and uh, you know, and we've had to talk through issues. And I know that on many occasions we've seen change lives as a result of people being challenged on those areas in their lives, which are incredibly suspect.
1: And I don't know about you, Gary, but I know with me, those that are around me and love me are the ones who have pulled me up and put me on the straight and narrow when I didn't see it.
0: Yeah, indeed, indeed. Eric, we do need to come. Let's just bow our heads together in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, we want to say sorry for the times that we have failed you. Lord, we want to apologize for the times that we've given the wrong representation uh, of you to mm-hmm. those that we, to, to those in this world. Uh, Lord, I pray that you might bless each person that can hear us right now. Lord, I pray that you might uh, be, be with them by your Spirit. I pray that you might descend on them by your Holy Spirit. Lord, if there's something which they're struggling with, I just pray that you might give them peace. Mm-hmm. Lord, these things we ask, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thanks so much for joining Pastor Gary and Eric Hoare on Drive Time. A big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when we ask, is sexual abuse in the church real? Really look forward to joining you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. Please enjoy Wendell Kimberra, I Shall Not Be Shaken.
2: For God alone, I wait in silence, my soul is still. Before the Lord He is my rock And my salvation My fortress strong I'll trust in Him I'll not be shaken I'll not be shaken For all my hope Is in his love